Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and the 97.5 Network, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, I love Fridays when I get to talk sports with you. Are you going to go back into the stadiums? Well, wait, first of all, we do have to wish you a, a very merry, happy birthday. I was just going to cruise right past. Yeah, that. well, you Remember, know, you're not fishing for birthdays. Or I know, but we need we needed to do that in, in a way without me singing. So this was my way to get it out of my system without my my singing, because that's my public my first public service announcement of the show is that, <laughs> that you will, will not, not sing. sing. Yes. <laughs> will so, you take me? To you're welcome. Game? Will you take me to a game and will you go now that 500 Persons are allowed indoors and 2,500. How? Who's, fig who's figuring this? Who's duking this out for 500 people per game? Well, How are you figuring this out? No, outdoors. I'm talking. Well, no, no. Let's, well, we don't have any outdoor sports yet. Well, we're so, not going to get an indoor invite right now. Sorry, that's not happening. 500 people is like. How are they going to figure that out, though? I, somebody at the team's going to have to make some tough decisions. <laughs> and, and how much are they going to charge for a ticket? You're asking the wrong person. I mean, I the, Wells Fargo, the, people the, Wells, in. the Wells Fargo Center holds, what, close to 20,000 people. Yes. And they're charging over $100 probably on average per ticket. Yes. Now you're going to have 500 people. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm enjoying you doing the math here, trying to figure this out on air. Did you know where you were going when you started this? Yeah, I was, I was going to come up with a number, but there's no point in coming up with a number. I just don't know. I don't know how they do this. I don't know the logistics of it. I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, if you to have 500, it's 500 people. So does then the question becomes, does that include media? Does that include the personnel that's already there? Because it, you're probably, it, it does include team personnel. Uh, and it, it includes game day staff and other personnel. Well, so you're, then you're close to that anyway. It is. All right. Okay. I mean, Frank will still move, fill out into the Sixers game. I think the, the plan is that Philadelphia will follow Pennsylvania's lead. And as Pennsylvania raises their allotment of how many people can attend games, you'll see Philadelphia do the same. But I don't think you're going to see Philadelphia jump ahead of what the state is doing. Well, what is the state doing? There's only two places that there's game. Well, there's three if you count the Hershey Bears. But I mean, and, and I guess there's the like well, minor league college. college games. You've got minor league games. You've got like there is actual sports across the state for this policy to apply to outdoor events. It's twenty five hundred. Yeah, but but you can't you can't apply it all equally because you have in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh you have large arenas where you can space people out more. For colleges, most of the colleges, you have much smaller arenas that maybe hold a maximum of 5,000 people. So I get if you're going to have 500 people spread out in a 5,000-person arena, that's 10%. You're looking at such a minuscule number of people, I'm not even sure it's worth the effort. You know what you can't do still? What? Tailgate. Still out, no tailgating, but changes can be made later. 500 people if each one of them comes in a car you can still space out and yell at each other you can throw a football from one parking lot to the other i'm getting you fired up over things that it, really it's just look i look i there's nobody that that knows more that you want to be spaced out i just don't know what the point is if you're only going to allow 500 people indoors ultimately, and that includes staff ultimately obviously the solution is trying to impact covid more in terms of 
negative tests and more vaccinations as time goes by. So hopefully that's where this goes, but this is the start of a plan to let people back in, which we haven't had here. New Jersey said they're going to let fans back in. I forget exactly how many. I thought it was 5,000. They're higher than Pennsylvania. The yeah, okay, so so I have, a, I have two questions for you. It says maximum capacity at outdoor events, like the Phillies in the Union, is 2,500 people. We were at a Union event that had more than 2,500 people, weren't we? That was at the time before the restrictions got tighter before the last surge. Okay. Yeah, but but we're not we're not having a surge now. Thank goodness. But they haven't relaxed the numbers to the point because of it. So so why don't they do something like this? If you've been vaccinated, and you have your card that shows you're vaccinated, then they allow you. So they're actually not going to require proof of a negative COVID test or proof of a vaccination to attend the games. I know, uh, and, and my question is why? Because oh, that would also motivate people to get vaccinated. There are people who won't be able to get vaccinated at this point because then you shouldn't go. Well, the larger challenge is trying to convince people to get vaccinated. And we've got a real good guest on this week to to help us talk about it. Uh, Why don't we bring him on and go for a conversation and talk about trying to increase awareness? Let's talk about it. We're here and we're happy to be joined by Harry Carson, formerly of the New York Giants to talk about some community service stuff and some initiatives that are going on with the NFL Alumni Association. Harry, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Um, Harry, we wanted to talk to you uh, about some of the initiatives, especially with what's going on with the NFL Alumni Association. And I wanted to start with, with a quote that you gave at the CYO Club of Champions tribute in 2019. You said, I've been a world champion and have accomplished a lot, but to me, there's nothing better than making a difference in the lives of others. That really is the greatest award. Lots of people talk to you about your amazing career on the field, but we wanted to talk to you about your incredible work off the field. What is going on with the NFL Alumni Association and your partnership with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention? Well, one of the things that we understand is athletes and former athletes is we have a unique platform to get messages out and uh, especially messages out to the communities in which we represent and that is the minority or the African-American community. And so as a former player, my platform is not quite as big as, you know, many of the players who are playing now. I just want to use my platform to uh, deliver a message to those out there who are listening, and that is, uh, you know, this time last year, this whole COVID-19 virus was new to everybody. didn't know what it was going to do. You got conflicting information uh, about it, and I I think over the last year, we've seen how deadly it has been. Uh, to the whole country. And so, um, you know, we just want to use our platform to make a difference in in the lives of of so many people who may not necessarily trust science. I trust science. You know, I went to school, I got an education, I took a lot of science courses, and so I understand what, what science is. And so, uh, I understand that people are hesitant about wanting to, uh, you know, get the vaccine and get the shot and so forth. But 
believe me, it's better than the alternative because there are so many people who we've lost, over 500,000 people that we've lost uh, in the past year. Um, It's interesting that I'm here in North Jersey. I played with the Giants. Um, I have family members who have lived in Philadelphia, and yeah, I know how Philadelphia fans are, but the reality is we all are in this together. We are all on the same team together, and it doesn't matter whether you're an Eagles fan, Giants fan, or whoever, we are all in this together, and we're going to have to fight and, and scratch and take care of one another and and uh, encourage one another in any way that we can. So um, the NFL uh, alumni has given, as I said before, me and other athletes the opportunity to reach out and uh, deliver a message, and that is whenever it's possible to get vaccinated, get it. I got mine uh, three weeks ago. I'm getting the follow-up shot next week. I'm looking forward to it. Um, And just like everybody else, I'm looking to not necessarily getting back to normal. I'm I'm looking forward to starting new and being even better uh, or having an even better life uh, living through this. So... um, you know, I, I, I can be a little long-winded at times, but, you know, the main message that I want, want to convey is everybody uh, take care of yourselves. Uh, please wear a mask. When they say, you know, six feet standing apart, I would say do 10 feet. I'm a big guy, and I don't want anybody, anyone getting really, really close to me. Uh, wash your hands, and let's just uh, find a way to take care of one another because, as I said before, we are definitely all in this together, and this virus did not discriminate against anyone. You're obviously using the platform and doing this for other people, but I'm curious, what does it mean to you to know that there are people who will get vaccinated because what you said, they will be safer and, and protected and, and have different things that they may not have had if they did not see you utilize your platform for this initiative? Well, you know, I wish that I could do more. I'm a former player. I don't necessarily have the the platform as, let's say, a Patrick uh, Mahomes or um, any other high-profile uh, athlete who's playing right now. So I'm going to catch on to any opportunity that I can to get my voice out there. I am a black former player who I think has um, developed a a certain amount of, I hope, trust within the community that people will, people who may not necessarily, uh, who who, who might balk at getting uh, vaccinated, if they listen to me and I say, I've got, I've got mine, I would strongly encourage others to do the same. I hope that in them doing the same or getting vaccinated, it's not just for uh, them, 
but it's for their families. It's it, it's for um, their relatives, their friends. It is a, a sign of being responsible during a time when um, there's so many things going on and there's so many people who have died. And those people who passed away, they didn't have the same opportunities as so many people now. Um, there was no vaccine for them. The, the frontline workers who had to go to work and they, they, they contracted the virus. You have an option. You have an option now. And hopefully uh, those who are listening to me will seize upon the opportunity to get a shot um, and try to live the rest of your, your, your life as, as best as, as possible. I mean, this has been really an eye-opening experience for everyone in this country. And if you don't learn from this that life is very uh, fragile and you have to take care of yourself and understand that, you know, anything can happen at any time. You know, I played football. And I, I realized as a football player that at any point on the field, I could sustain an injury that, you know, might, might have pushed me out of playing the game. The same is true here with life. You know, there's, there's a situation that um, I'm not blaming it on anyone, but we're in it. And as I said before, it does not discriminate. It doesn't care who you are. Doesn't doesn't care how much money you make, what color you are, and so forth. But if you're vulnerable, it's going to attack. And we need to take care of ourselves. We need to take care of one another. And once again, I go back to say we're all in this together. Let me just give you an example a football-related example. You guys remember when the Giants played uh, Washington football team back in the 80s and uh, Lawrence Taylor smashed Joe Theismann and broke his leg? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I try, I try not to look at that video, but yes. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know, I was on the field when that happened. And when it happened, you know, we were going tooth and nail against Washington and Monday night game, and, you know, we we wanted to win. They wanted to win. But when that injury happened, what you may not know is we stopped being competitors, and we all bonded together as human beings and we tried to console uh, Joe Theismann because we knew that was a catastrophic situation. You don't wish that on anyone. And so, you know, they eventually won the game. But the thing that I take away from that game is we all we, we stopped being combatants for a period of time, and we worked together to show our humanity to Joe Theismann and what had just occurred. I look at the same thing that's going on now with the virus. You know, 
nobody is wishing this on anyone, but it's happening. We have to do everything that we can possibly do to protect ourselves, but also protect one another and take care of one another. So you need to wear the mask. You need to uh, establish a boundary about yourself, whether it's six feet or, in my case, ten feet. You need to do that. You need to wash your hands. And you need to be cognizant of what you're doing and who you're doing it around. And, um, you know, don't put your hands towards your face, your eyes, your nose, your any orifice of your body where uh, a virus can seep in. Wash your hands, keep a little sanitizer in your pocket and so forth. But now what we really need to do is trust the science and get vaccinated. And if you've already gotten vaccinated, then do what you can to help those within your community get to wherever they need to go to uh, get vaccinated. Harry, you you talk about the fact that you don't have the platform that somebody like Patrick Mahomes has, but but I think that you may be selling yourself short as to the impact you have on on the community around you and the community around the country, uh, not just because of who you played, because as you said, your career could have ended at any moment, but but you've continued off the field to have an impact. You founded the Minority Athletes Networking with former Giant teammate George Martin and the late mm-hmm. Ron Johnson. What yeah. has driven you to continue your work beyond your days uh, being on the field and being, being the legend that you were for the New York Giants? I think um, in retrospect and looking at my own life, there were people who did things for me to help me get to where I got to. Okay, whether it was a teacher, whether it was a coach, whether it was somebody in the community who emphasized to me as a kid, make sure you get your education. There were people who made a difference for me in my life. And you never forget that, uh, that people may have said things, they may have done things to help propel you to where you eventually have landed. And so what we've tried to do as just human beings, not just as football players, but just as human beings, and I love the fact that the guys who I played with, they have this humanity in which, you know, they can be really tough guys in the, in, in, in the huddle and on the field, but you get them off the field, you know, and you see them in a hospital room um, encouraging kids or going into prisons and working with young people who are incarcerated, not because they're bad people, but, but, but they made a bad mistake and, and so forth. Everybody, every, everybody's life is precious. And quite frankly, we all got the opportunity to do something that so many others have wanted to do. And so if you can reach out and touch and make a difference in another person's life, that really is the most important thing that you can do. Because as I said before, there's so many people 
who I look back and had it not been for them stopping me and pulling pulling me aside and giving me words of encouragement, I don't know if I would be where I am right now as a former NFL player, much less a former player with the New York Giants <clears throat> or a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And so I'm, I'm thankful. I'm I'm thankful for those who saw that I was worth it to at least give me a minute of their time and uh, help to make me a better person. You had thanked the Giants for giving you the platform to make a difference in other lives like you talk about. How did being a part of that organization in the NFL make you the leader that you are now? Or is it that you were a leader that then helped shape other people in that organization? Well, I have to say both. I, I think that my my leadership came from when I was in high school and um, I was going through, uh, me and other kids uh, were going through desegregation. And so I didn't have a black coach on the coaching staff, so everybody sort of, all of the black guys looked at me as their leader. And so um, I had to be a nurturer. I had to be an advocate for them. I eventually went on to South Carolina State, and that's where I learned a lot of my uh, leadership skills. Uh, football, being um, in ROTC, Air Force Junior ROTC, I, I, I learned a, a certain amount of, you know, being a leader is all about. And then I brought that to the NFL. And it's interesting that when I came to the Giants, you know, before when I was in college, I played with guys who may have been two or three years older than me or two or three years younger than me, depending on, you know, where I was. If I was a senior, you know, I'm dealing with freshmen and so forth. You come to the NFL, you're dealing with guys who are, uh, you know, you're 21, 22. You're dealing with guys who are 32, 34, 35. And, you know, those guys saw something in me in that they elected me captain uh, after my third year with the Giants. And they saw something in me. And uh, one of the good things about having been drafted to play with the Giants is Wellington Mara, the owner of the Giants, um, wanted good, decent people um, on his team. And so uh, we uh, started doing things within the community, giving back, understanding that um, as athletes, we could truly make a difference in the lives of of others. When the Central Park Jogger uh, situation occurred back in 1989 and black folks were screaming, you know, where are all the black role models? You know, we said, here we are. And that's how MAN, Minority Athletes Networking, got got started. Uh, we wanted to make a difference in the lives of others. And, and so uh, that was one of the things that the giant organization has embraced. Uh, my old teammate, George Martin, started the uh, continuing education program at Fairleigh Dickinson University. So if you came out of college and you didn't have your degree, you could uh, work on your degree going to Fairleigh Dickinson, and that really was replicated around the league now. There are many players who 
come into the league without degrees, but they have the ability to uh, go to a local college and get a degree, not just for themselves, but their their spouses could do the same thing. So, you know, we've found ways to um, use that platform for good, as I said before, in making a difference in the lives of other people, even ourselves or guys who come in who are just sort of passing through with the organization. We, we sort of rub off on them and, um, you know, they make sure that they go back and they get their degree um, because the, the lifespan of a pro athlete or pro football player uh, is less than, you know, four years. And when it's over, it's over. You've got to move on with the rest of your life. And if you, if you have not prepared for it, uh, it's going to be a cruel world for you when you uh, indeed make that separation from professional football. Before we let you go, um, for those of us that grew up in North Jersey, we got to see what kind of community leader you were and what kind of leader you were on the field. For those that were outside of the area, a lot of people recall the time when you guys played the Broncos in the Super Bowl, when Denver sent six players out for the coin toss, and somehow you were the only guy who went out for the coin toss for the Giants. What did that moment mean to you, and how did it come about? Well, after, as we were preparing to, you know, we were loosening up and everything uh, before the national anthem, um, the captains had to meet at the center of the field. And I thought that George Martin and, and Phil Sims would be joining me going out to the uh, center of the field for the coin toss. And Parcells told me, he said, go. I said, well, what about George? What about go? And the official and I took off because the, the Broncos were already starting to walk across the field to midfield. And so as I'm walking to the center of the field, I sort of felt like, and I saw at least five white jerseys. And I saw these guys coming at me, and I thought, wow, this is, this is deep. You know, this is like um, that gunfight at the OK Corral, you know. Um, but then it hit me that I'm the only player going out for the coin toss. And it was such an honor to be that lone player going out in the biggest game of anybody's career, of anybody's life. Because even when you're in Pop Warner, you're striving to get to a Super Bowl. And because it was me, I felt like perhaps Parcells wanted me to go to just represent the organization. There's so many things that, that I thought at that time, um, but I was truly honored to be that lone captain to represent everybody on the sideline, everybody within the organization, all giant fans um, who had been through so much as, um, as fans, because I was there during the 70s when they were flying planes all over the place and burning tickets and all of that stuff, to get to a point where 
we're at the biggest game of any of our our lives. So I was really honored. Um, when I think about it now, you know, I'm still honored that I was that lone captain going off with a coin toss. And it's interesting. I run into so many people now, and everybody sort of points out that one uh, thing that they saw on the Super Bowl on the, for the twenty uh, first uh, Super Bowl. Me going off for the coin toss. That and splashing parcels with Gatorade at the end of the at the end of the game. See, that was going to be my question. We do this whole serious interview, and then I'm wondering, like, could you ever imagine that the Gatorade bath would turn into what it did all these years later? No, because it was just something that we did, um, and it really is a sign of the relationship that you have with your coach. You, you, if if guys did not respect their coach, that coach would not get a Gatorade shower. But because you're going through these experiences together and you're winning together, you're losing together, and you get to a point where, uh, you know, in, in, in winning, the whole thing sort of binds you together for the rest of your life. And it shows the love and respect that players have for their coaches. So I hope it continues to to happen, um, you know, 150 years from now, it, because it, it's not, you know, like rubbing rubbing it in the face of your opponent. It really is a symbol of the love and respect that players have for their coaches. Oh, Harry, we thank you for not only leadership on the field, the leadership off the field. Uh, we encourage people to learn more about what you and the NFL Alumni Association are doing, partnering with the CDC to try to raise awareness and combat skepticism of the COVID vaccine, COVID-19 vaccine. Thank you so much for the time. We hope to have you back someday to talk a little more. All right. It'd be my pleasure. Thank you so much, Harry. Okay. Take care. Great time. You have a great Thank day you, Thank you for everything. Hey, Jeff, we, uh, we made sure to put out the information on our social media accounts so people can learn more about what the NFL Alumni Association is doing. Obviously a heavy topic. Yeah, we worked some fun questions in there. I had to ask him about the Gatorade. You wanted to ask him about the Super Bowl coin toss. But the ability for him to use his platform, and we talk about how athletes use their platform, to try and take on an issue where there is skepticism around vaccines in many communities and to have people that are considered trusted because they've seen them on TV their whole lives or they've rooted for them can't hurt. You know, it's amazing because, you know, we think about what athletes who have the current platform are doing. Harry talked about Pat Mahomes, but what people don't seem to realize is that when, when they leave the spotlight, you know, Harry Carson around here or in North Jersey and New York, he can't walk around without people recognizing him. I know he wants people to stay 10 feet apart from him, but <laughs> that might be a little hard considering he's Harry Carson. But the fact is, is that Harry and a large number of former professional athletes, alumni of their sports, and in this case, the NFL alumni and the NFL alumni association, they haven't stopped their work. This is an initiative, this isn't just Harry. There are hundreds of ex-players all over the country that are going into their communities trying to get people to be aware.
because when you're educated, you're going to want to get vaccinated. And the fact is, is, is you have guys like Harry, Franco Harris, Rod Woodson, Kyle Richardson. There are just a plethora of athletes that are doing this particular initiative with the CDC and then doing so much more work. So, you know, we always talk about to athletes and coaches and front office personnel about their platforms, but that platform doesn't go away, especially when you're a Hall of Famer. Even if Zoltan doesn't want LeBron to use his platform, we still yeah, appreciate how athletes so, use So, okay. So you made a comment to me and I don't want to steal it from you. You made a comment. So why don't, why don't you say what your comment is about Zlatan and then we can go from there. Well, his whole point was that he thought that he basically told LeBron to stick to basketball. He said, you know, stick with what you're good at and if but, you want to do politics, he would do politics. But if you wanted to stick to what you were doing, you wouldn't make a comment about it. Like you chose to weigh in on politics. So you can't really critique somebody else for it. You're entitled to your opinion, but to act like you didn't go and enter the political side of things, making that comment and saying somebody shouldn't talk. It's the same thing. Why is Zlatan Ibrahimovic commenting? He was, he was in the United States for like a cup of coffee. Okay. (laughs) So I mean, I mean, why, why is he commenting on American athletes and whether or not they should, as he says, stay in their lane? I think it's a larger issue, though. It's not just American athletes. It's the ability that athletes have that by not staying in their lane, they have the ability to cross over to people who don't look at anything but that lane. What is their lane? See, that's the part. That's the part. I I know you know their lane would be them as an athlete, their skill set that is so good that allows them to be paid as a professional, whereas Harry Carson mentioned so few people get to be that. But at the same time, that lane doesn't mean that they're not still a person with opinions. And I don't understand that you can't share your opinion. What you have to do is know that in in the charged society that we have, when you share an opinion, you're going to have to own the good and the bad that comes with it. And everybody has to make that decision for themselves. And these athletes, many of them are brands themselves. And by taking a side or perceived side, they could be alienating a potential audience that would buy a product that they're selling. That's a decision they all have to make, but I don't begrudge anybody who chooses to say, you know what, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about doing what I think is right. Yeah, but, but Zlatan's comment makes, makes a false assumption, which is, is that we all have one lane, that we're one-dimensional. We're not. Athletes aren't any more than the rest of us. I mean, you and I have day jobs, and then we do this, and then we go out and sleep on the street for charity. And we have families. Athletes are no different than that. And the, the difference is, is that they're able to have additional lanes and help people. So if LeBron's, look, I'm not a fan of LeBron on the court, but, and, and I don't like everything that he says off the court, but I recognize that, that the value of his platform is so great. And he has done incredible things. The things he has done with schools in Akron, Ohio, is because of the platform he has. Is is Zlatan, maybe Zlatan should go to one of those schools and see what he's doing and decide whether or not LeBron should stay in his lane and those kids should not benefit from LeBron going outside of whatever lane Zlatan believes exists for an athlete. It's not just the platform he has, though. It's the platform he chooses to use. Many of these athletes have the platforms. Many of them choose not to use it. They choose to just focus on their lane. That's their choice. It absolutely is their choice, and I don't begrudge them. But I I would just say it's not just – it is an active choice that these athletes are making to move over to another perceived lane. 
That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I just don't believe it's a different, I, I don't believe that there's a limited number of lanes for any human being. And so if you want to move to another lane, as you said, as long as you're willing to own it, and as long as you're willing to take whatever criticism as well as any accolades, that's your choice. You're an adult. You're entitled to whatever you want. And, and we get to see the benefits of this. We, we don't often talk to, to troubled athletes. We talk to, we talk to the majority of athletes which is athletes that go out and use their, their platform to benefit their society, not in any political way, in a community-based way. And look, I think we should celebrate that. I really do. I don't think we should begrudge people for that. Jeff, why don't we hit a short break? When we come back, we'll have lots of basketball to talk about. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Jeff, plenty of basketball to talk about as we come back. Obviously, the Sixers with a big win last night. We'll, we'll get to that soon. But I wanted to, to head to Orlando, if you're okay, and talk a little Blue Coats first. You cool with that, Jeff? Sure. It's warmer there than it is here. So the Blue Coats are down in Orlando in the G League bubble, and we got a chance to talk to two-way player Paul Reed and play-by-play broadcaster Matt Murphy. Let's hear it. Great to be joined from the bubble in Orlando by Sixers Bluecoats two-way player Paul Reed. Thanks for giving us a few minutes, Paul. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. Beautiful. I'm sure you're in Orlando, close to where you grew up. What's life like for you and the players in the bubble right now? A little bit different? Oh, extremely different. It's it's like you uh, it's not like jail, but you can't see the people that you love, you feel me? So it's kinda tough. How has it been for you guys to bond together since you can't see the other people? It's just you and your teammates. Has this been a little bit different? You guys get a chance to know each other a little bit better out there? Yeah, it's like, you know, we got we to gotta rely on each other for, like, support and stuff like that. So it's been cool. Great experience to meet, like, new people. Paul, usually when you, when you finish a game, you get to go to your home, you get to go to your family, do things with your friends that aren't on the team. You're spending a lot of time in the bubble with your teammates. How do you blow off steam with the team, with the team, or just on your own? Um, with the team, sometimes we all just like sit outside and talk after the game, and you know, kind of chill that way. Or when I'm by myself, I just sit down and like Facetime or something like that with people. I've I've followed your Twitter feed, and it appears that you're not only a great basketball player, but that you're actually working on a line of clothing called Fearless. How did you get into doing that? Oh, my agency, they helped me with that. Um, They had the creative side of Octagon kind of uh, put that together for me. And I came up with the idea of Fearless and, like, put the bear on there because I feel like you shouldn't be afraid of anything. That's That's where I get that from. You know, you talk about not being afraid of anything. You come from a basketball family. Your dad traveled the world playing ball. What's it been like for you to to realize that dream you've chased since you were a little boy, as your mom said, with a ball in your hand all the time? Uh, it's, it's like a, a a step in my journey, you know, because uh, it's not where I want to. I want I want so much more for myself. So it's like when I when I dreamed of 
like making it in the NBA, I always dreamed of like being like the best player in the NBA, like one of the best players, uh, running championship and stuff like that. So that's that's the real dream is to become like a champion. Paul, I saw a quote from you where you said, I've always been overlooked my whole life. I've always been underrated. People don't always see my full potential or how good I can be or how good I am. And that it's normal for you. How do you how do you get that chip on your shoulder and how do you use it to your advantage as you climb up to get to the place that you want to be? Because oh, people never know what, uh, what, what, so like my opponents, they never really, since they always like overlook me and stuff, they never really know that. I'm gonna come and give that team problems. So I kind of use that to my advantage. You know, they don't, they can't scout for me, or they don't know how to scout for me because they don't really know how to. Uh, they don't really know who I am, for I guess. What's it like to get off to such a hot start? You were the G League's first player of the week. Uh, Average 25 points a game, shot 62. percent I know that this is what you prep for. Is it nice to get a little recognition, or is it just you know that's not your goal? You keep going. What drives you there? Uh, it's definitely nice to get some recognition, but uh, it kind of makes me want to. It's like a, it's like a drug. Once you be, once you do like, once you be successful one time, now you want success like all the time, and then nothing is ever like. If you're not at that same level of being successful, then it's like a problem for you. So you just want to keep being successful. That's where I'm at. Like I want to keep, keep it up. Like I want to be consistent with it. Like I did it for one week, but I want to do it for like. I want to keep going. So you've ne- Paul, you've now gotten a chance to to play under for a little bit under Coach Johnson. He's spoken very highly of you. Uh, what is it like to play with Coach Johnson, and what have you learned from him so far? Um, even when okay, I learned even when like I I have a good game. It's always areas that I can improve on. Like every game, we always go back over film. It's always a, he always showing me areas that I can get better at, and I think that's like one thing that I'm learning like. You can always get better. That's what we, that's what we keep pushing for. For me, it's just to keep getting better every day. Well, we wish you the best of luck if you keep getting better with everything. We thank you for a little bit of time. Can't wait to keep watching you on the court, and I uh, hope to see you back here in Philly one day soon. All right, thank you, thank you. We're going to keep our Blue Coats conversation going here. We got play-by-play broadcaster for the Blue Coats, Matt Murphy here. Murph, how you doing, man? How's everything going in Orlando? I'm good. I'm doing well, guys. Um, it's good to be with you. We've we've been here for a while, um, and we still have a few more weeks of games, and hopefully the first playoff berth in Delaware franchise history on the horizon. But as everyone's been saying, that's part of our group. The weather's been great. Getting off to a seven and zero start was incredible. Um, facing a little adversity right now, but the team is a lot of fun and it, it's a really cool experience to have 18 teams here competing in the G league at Disney. You know, we usually hear, we've heard, we've heard it from when the NBA was down there and now with the G league down there, what it's like for the coaches and players, they have a schedule. They're on a regimen. If they're not playing games, they're working out. If they're not working out, they're seeing, doing film. What is it like for you as a broadcaster to be in that bubble? There is a lot of preparation that goes into the broadcast, but in terms of, free time and and because of the other hats that I wear with the Blue Coats organization it does keep me quite busy but there's no golf available to the G League bubble um and I I have been playing a lot of golf in, in recent years but so no golf but there's there's other stuff to do and and when we get some free time um I've been playing some pickleball 
I've actually played with Coach Johnson a little bit on the pickleball courts and former uh, Delaware Bluecoats assistant coach Chase Buford is a little bit of an experienced pickleball player as well. So we've been doing that. Um, and there's a lot of time spent as a team in what we call our team room where there's some board games, some card games, things like that. And uh, Paul Reed, the Sixers two-way player, who I know you guys obviously talked to, he's a chess player. And Coach Johnson's been playing some chess. General manager Matt Lilly's been playing some chess. And Paul also plays things like Connect Four. So we're making use of our free time. All right. So we've seen Connor Johnson. We've had him on the show. We know how competitive he is when he's on the basketball court. What is he like on the pickleball court? <laughs> he's a little bit newer to pickleball. And I don't want to speak to his game too much, but he, he is competitive. It's been a lot of fun going back and forth. Him and Chase have been playing together. And I, I've been playing with our, our strength coach, Sam, um, who's come to us from the Sixers. So we have gotten competitive, and those have been our doubles teams. It's been a few days since we've played, but we've got to rekindle that rivalry again soon. I think we have an edge in the series, so coach is probably dying to, to face me again and get, get a couple games back on me. Don't worry. He comes on and talks about Jeff and I's lack of a basketball game from our tryout with you guys. So next time you come on, feel free to talk about his game all you want. Or, or send video. Or send video. We have video of Jeff being dunked on still. So we keep those things for the show. Um, let's let's talk about what life's like on the court there. You've got a team that's 7-0, and right? Or that started 7-0 and this season. Obviously a lot of talent on the court. Talk to us about what you're seeing with some of the players there. Absolutely. It's a, it's a very talented Bluecoats team that looks a little bit different than last year's team, which was very tall. Um, there's a lot of talent in the G League this year in general with not not every team participating. There's 17 G League affiliates plus NBA G League Ignite. So the, the, the team pool shrunk, which the talent is – there's a lot of talent on each individual team, including the Bluecoats. So it, it kind of starts with the Sixers two-way players. Paul Reed and Rajon Tucker have been scoring well. They're both in the top five among points per game for two-way contract players. So they've certainly been standing out, not only amongst the two-way players, but really amongst all G League players here at the single site. But the rest of the team, they're fun in the sense that even if undersized, they still play the game in a, in a fun way. So a big thing is pace and creating some space uh, for Coach Johnson, as it has been the last couple of years. And guys like Jamario Jones at six foot five is one of the best rebounders in the league. And there's just a ton of versatile players but I think in terms of the scoring punch it's, it's really been Paul Reed and Ray John Tucker and then everybody else in a complimentary role just makes it a really fun team Justin Robinson's been the point guard and we know guys like Jared Brownridge can really shoot it they've made as a team 21 threes in, in two separate games uh, already this year past the midway point of the 15 game season but just kind of adding some fun players around those two-way guys they're off to a successful start and they're looking for more I did want to ask you about something you guys are doing on the broadcast side before we finish up with you. You've got a partnership going with Rowan University, giving students some opportunities to get some experience, uh, some great things coming out there. Can you talk a little bit about that program? Sure. It's been fantastic so far with Rowan University. As a South Jersey guy myself, I've always known what a great institution Rowan is. I've had many 
friends who have gone there, graduated from there, go there now, whatever the case might be. And as a broadcaster myself, to see these students get opportunities in that area, it's incredible for them and their careers. And wherever they end up, the fact that they're calling professional basketball right now on the radio is huge. And I'm proud of the relationship with Rowan. I'm really proud of it. Uh, for us, I think other teams have noticed what we've done. I've gotten a lot of compliments about it from some of our colleagues around the league. And they're calling the games on the radio, um, but they're also helping the Bluecoats in many other ways. As uh, if we were in a normal season, they'd be helping us at the field house as well on game nights and things like that. But we're making it work the best we can here. And to have some added help and for them to gain experience in other areas like public relations and social media and marketing and just different things all around it. It's, it's helped us uh, as an organization, and it's certainly a great opportunity for them. So I think it's benefited both sides, and we're really happy with it and can't wait to keep doing more down the road. Well, Matt, we've really enjoyed your, uh, your call of the games and how well the Bluecoats are doing this year. Where can we, for those that don't know, where can we catch your games? On, on television locally in, in Delaware, it's DETV Channel 28, um, also DETVCH.com. And that television stream is picked up on Facebook, on the Delaware Blue Coats Facebook page, the, the 76ers, the Philadelphia 76ers Facebook page um, as well. So that's our local TV broadcast. And then the Rowan Radio uh, broadcast is WGLS. Um, and they are the game on the radio and streamed on rowanradio.com. All right. Well, enjoy your time down in the bubble in Orlando. And we look forward to hearing not only your call the rest of the regular season games, but also the playoffs. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the support as always. Jeff, Paul Reed is dominating in the G League right now. And I know yes. you know I'm watching those games. Uh, they, are, they are fun to watch. Even when they don't win, they're 7-3 and three now. Lost a tough one earlier today back at it 11:30 tomorrow it's like my perfect sports dream i can watch sports all day long you know it's amazing the turnover of the roster and how connor johnson has to deal with like a whole new roster from year to year and and, and sometimes in season i mean jared i think jared brownridge is the only guy that's back, back from last season yeah it's amazing the turnover tucker uh, has been very good too the, the sixers two-way players have been impressive why don't we get to the big team a little bit talk about the sixers they won last night uh, your thoughts about what you're seeing on the court and your confidence level from this team. They moved to 22-11, and 11, a half game in front of the Nets for first place. We're playing very good basketball without Kevin Durant, who's still out. Um, ben Simmons last night locked down defense on Luka, put up just 19 points. I think it was his fourth lowest points he scored in a game this season. He was just three for nine shooting when Simmons was there, but... Um, my question for you is twofold. One, can you accept this version of Ben Simmons, more aggressive defense, still not shooting like people would want, but shooting, like driving the ball and being aggressive in games? And two, is this enough for this team that they have right now? I, I, did I need to take notes for that question? <laughs> it was really a question that let me talk for a while. Basically. Yeah, well, you won't be a lawyer anytime soon and cross-examining anyone. <laughs> well, do you want my answer or do you want Dwight Howard's? Because Dwight Howard said that that this team has enough to win a championship right now. Now, do I agree with Dwight Howard? No, I, th I think that this is a good team. I think that they could come out of the East. But keep in mind, the East, half of the teams that are in playoff contention aren't even over 500. So... The question is, is whether or not this team as constructed 
can win the championship. I worry about it. I still worry that maybe we don't. Danny Green seems to be a weak link on this team. Um, his defense is good. His offense is not as what I think what we all expected. I think we expected more three-point sharpshooting from Danny Green than we're getting. And so that worries me. Uh, what I was impressed by was Luka Doncic has been just balling lately. Uh, he's gotten better as the season's gone on. Uh, he is a, a tough competitor, and Ben Simmons really did play lockdown defense on him. And, and I have to tell you, coming out of college, I don't remember everybody saying Ben Simmons was going to be this great defender. I thought that was supposed to be part of his weakness he when seems he came take, out. He seems to take pride in that now, too. Um, yeah. He's actively out there saying, I feel like I'm the best defender. I'll tell you what concerns me more than the players right now, mm-hmm. the schedule in the second half. The Sixers, I mean, everybody's got a tough schedule. The Sixers have a brutal second half schedule. They have 36 games in 67 days. That means they and a will, lot of traveling. They will play one game every 1.86 games. They have eight back-to-backs in that time, including a road back-to-back off the All-Star game, a six-game road trick that takes them out West, and then a real tough stretch against the Nets, Clippers, Warriors, Suns, Bucks, and then Bucks again. That's a tough Oh, well, wait, wait, wait. You forgot to mention where are those two Bucks games? I believe they're in Milwaukee. Yeah, I think both Milwaukee because they yeah. played earlier here. So exactly. what they, did, they did the home and home type stuff. Yeah, well, um, look, this is going to test their metal. I mean, I don't know whether or not Daryl Morey is going to be able to pull off another trade. I mean, we keep hearing about the potential of Kyle Lowry coming home. You interested? I'm very interested. Uh, as long what? as it's for the right price. I mean, that's... The, I don't see how the Raptors are going to trade within their own conference against one of their competitors. The Raptors, the Tampa Raptors are not out of it yet. Uh, They've played much better ball lately. I (laughs) I guess they're getting used to playing, what, 3,000 miles from home in a little warmer climate? I almost missed you called them the Tampa Raptors. (laughs) (laughs) It, It took a second for that to register in my head there. It, it it just seems odd every time. You know you know what's funny when you watch the Tampa Rap- Raptors play in their building in Tampa. They still had a- have advertisements for, for Toronto. Ca- Canadian things. So like yeah. it says Canadian Tire and things like that because there are no fans there. And it would be interesting to see whether or not there would be fans if they had games. Uh, Sixers lucky that they escape without a serious injury for Tobias Harris. Looks just like a bruise. He'll be out tomorrow against Cleveland. Uh, your, your confidence level as this team plays forward. And, you know, I, I ask you this every week, the team going to make a move. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know whether they have the pieces to make the move. That's the thing. I mean, unless, unless Paul Reed is somebody that people are going to covet based on his G league performance, which again, it is his G league performance, whether or not they're willing to give up Matisse Thibel, um, and whether or not, because Maxi hasn't played that much lately either. And his, his, his performance has dropped off. So the, the other question is whether or not people covet somebody like Tyrese Maxi. And would you want to give up somebody like, would you give up a Maxi, a thigh ball, and a future first round pick for Kyle Lowry? I think you'd have to. If you can keep the rest of your roster intact, basically still have your bench and put Kyle Lowry in at a starter, which probably moves Danny Green to the bench and strength mm-hmm. to the bench. I think you have to make that move. That that's the that's not a you're giving Simmons and draft picks for the next five years. And that's not that type of move. And so I like Maxi and I like Thibault, 
they're not being used right now necessarily in this rotation. And I think you'd have to think about expending them. Okay, let's not talk trades though. I'm going to give you two two players and you tell me which one you think would be a better fit on this team. Kyle Lowry or Zach Levine? Zach Levine. I think he can do more. If I think Ben sick- can run the point if Zach Levine's here. If and they're a very tall, very athletic lineup at that point. That that to me that would be my preference. The question is whether you can, there's you have enough to get rid of Zach or get Zach Levine without getting rid of any of your stars. What surprises you more that I said Zach Levine or that I took a stand? That you took a stand. Zach I, Levine. Zach Levine clearly is the better option. He's also a lot younger. And he and if you look at his statistics, and I've gone through with the, this with you before, if you look at his statistics, every year they're getting better. Yeah, no, he's definitely figuring it out. Jeff, we've got like a minute left, maybe under it. First spring training game this Sunday for the Phillies against the Tigers. Is it on TV? I don't, That's all I care about. I is it on TV? You're going to have to like get a satellite or figure out some way. Well, to- it doesn't matter if, if it's not on TV. It doesn't matter what kind of dish I have anywhere. It needs to be on somewhere unless somebody's going to be standing there with their phone <laughs> videotaping it and Facebook streaming it. We're going to talk more about the roster as we get into the season, but what is your feeling as baseball starts about this team? They're a very similar roster to last year, brought in pitching under a minute. So keep it quick. What's your thoughts? I think they're going to be a lot better than they are last year. They were last year. The problem is, is the whole division is better. As Bryce Harper pointed out yesterday, the NL East is the best division in baseball this year. If you look at it on paper, every one of these teams has a chance to make the playoffs, including the Marlins. I think the key is obviously going to be the arms that they brought in. Can they hold up? Because there's a lot of new arms here. A lot of people who throw much harder than the Phillies have had in past years, throwing the ball to the plate. So hopefully Real Muto comes back healthy with his thumb. Jeff, any final words before I do the close? I'm hoping Spencer Howard is right this year. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. and We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.